0: Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, WOLC.com. Thank you. In the anticipated Christ, we've moved now into the New Testament and the gospel narratives of the nativity. The gospel reading for the fourth Sunday of Advent, which you just heard, is Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. But instead of focusing on Mary or her babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, today I want to focus on the most overlooked person in the Christmas story, St. Joseph. That in 41 years, I've never preached a whole sermon on the patron saint and namesake of the city in which I live and pastor is an oversight that today I intend to correct. I'm going to preach on St. Joseph. Matthew chapter... 1 verse 16, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. All right, this is the first appearance of Joseph in Scripture. Uh, In the genealogy of Jesus, Joseph is called the husband of Mary. Joseph is then referred to about a dozen times in Matthew and Luke. We don't find him in Mark or John, but in Matthew and Luke, we find Joseph about a dozen times. Now, we're told what Joseph does, his actions, and we're even granted a sort of glimpse into his interior life, but Joseph never actually speaks. In the pages of scripture. We never hear his voice. We never hear him say anything. Joseph is one of those men. Whose deep goodness. Is found. Not in what they say. But in what they do. Joseph isn't. A preacher or a prophet. He's a provider. And a protector. Joseph is always in the background. Just quietly doing what needs to be done. So let's take a few moments this morning and look at the life of this good man, St. Joseph, because he's overlooked, doesn't get his due enough. And so what do we know about Joseph? Well, he's from Nazareth from that little tiny Galilean village, Nazareth. He is a carpenter, a tecton, a craftsman. He would work with wood and stone, both. Nazareth at that time was such a tiny place, it's hard for me to imagine that a carpenter could stay employed in that little village, so he was probably often going to Sepphoris, which is bad five or six miles away, and that was kind of a booming place. And so he was probably traveling there often and engaging in his carpenter's trade. Joseph was engaged to a young woman in the town of Nazareth by the name of Mary. Now, they're both pious and devout, observant Jews, Practicing their faith. Very serious about it. Joseph is called a righteous man. Now, he's engaged to Mary. Pious, righteous, upright, observant Jews. In the little town of Nazareth. They would have known each other, I suppose, nearly all their lives, I suppose. Now they're engaged. And Mary... Before they have come together, before their wedding, Mary is found to be with child. Now, this is by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph doesn't know this. Probably wouldn't be the first thought that entered his mind. And he discovers that his fiance, though they have not been together, is with the child. We might wonder well, why didn't Mary just tell Joseph what the situation was? Perhaps she thought that wasn't her job. It wasn't her job to try to explain this miracle, it wasn't her job to defend herself. Leave it to the angels. I think that's good counsel sometimes. Just leave it. It was an angel that brought the announcement to Mary. And so I guess Mary thinks the angels can work this out too. But we're not preaching about Mary today. We're talking about Joseph. Have you ever been profoundly disappointed By the moral failings of somebody that you loved, admired, respected. That's a a terrible letdown. That's a terrible feeling. You're not quite sure how to navigate all that. Well, this is what has happened to Joseph. He's thinking maybe she's not who I thought she was, that this has happened. And so Joseph decides to break off the engagement, but he's going to do it very discreetly. He's not going to do it publicly. He's not going to announce to the village of Nazareth what has occurred. He's going to break off the engagement, but quietly, discreetly. I told you he's a protector. See, even now he's protecting Mary's reputation. You know, you've heard the the saying, hurt people, hurt people, but not Joseph. He's a righteous dude. He's been hurt, but he's not going to hurt somebody in response. And so he's protecting Mary's reputation. I think this is the first glimpse we get of the depth of his righteous character. Now, at this point, I mean, no one has sinned. Mary has not sinned, and Joseph has not sinned. There's just a misunderstanding, sila. Sometimes that's the way it is. Nobody's sinned, there's just a misunderstanding. The famous Joseph of the Old Testament... You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the 11th son of, of the patriarch Jacob, who becomes the viceroy of Egypt. The Old Testament Joseph was famous for his dreams. Same with the New Testament Joseph. He too was a dreamer. He had dreams. An angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, no, 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 no. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. That's what the angels always say. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. This is the first of four times That Joseph will have a dream of an angel speaking to him. This is interesting. The angels often appear to people, right? Angels appear to the shepherds. Angel appeared to Mary. Angels do not appear to Joseph. He dreams of angels. It's interesting. If we think of angels, I mean, think of angels all kinds of ways, but if we think of of angels as heavenly assistants, that's their role. Joseph is someone who gets heavenly assistance in his dreams. I've had that happen. Maybe you have too. In the course of my life, there have been times when I've had dreams that have been heavenly assistance. Help me go in the right direction. This is what happens with Joseph. And so the the angel comes and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then the angel says in the dream, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. As I've mentioned, Joseph never speaks in the pages of scripture. But it's Joseph who gives us the name above every name, the name by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. It's Joseph who says his name will be Yahshua. The Lord saves, Yahweh saves, that will be his name. Joseph gives us the name Jesus. Joseph is A provider and protector. He's the provider and protector for the holy family. Especially on their many journeys, because early on there's a lot of journeys with this holy family. There's the famous journey that we we reenact on Christmas Eve in here, you know, with the donkey and all that. Even though the donkey isn't mentioned in scripture, who cares? We imagine them having a donkey, so they've got a donkey. There's that that first journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he goes with Mary, his espoused wife, to be taxed. Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. She's near nine months pregnant. Yeah, you need a donkey, okay. Okay. And so they arrive in Bethlehem. And was there any room in the inn? No, there was no room in the inn. You've heard this story. But we're going to imagine a little more. So you know that they, they find shelter among the livestock. Certainly it must have been a cave. That's how that worked. A cave with, a, with an inn above. So, so who finds this? I mean, we... we you we know, we, we often imagine some sort of kindly innkeeper, but that's not mentioned. I think it's Joseph, because that's the kind of guy he would be. He's got to find somewhere for Mary. She's about to give birth, and he does the best he can, and he finds a place that's warm and safe and dry among the livestock. And so Jesus is born wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Probably Joseph figured out, we could use this for a crib. It's probably Joseph. Then there is the, uh, well, that's what this was about, the flight to Egypt. That's what this icon is about. So Jesus has been born. We kind of, you know, we just have the, in our nativity scenes and we do it here at Word of Life, you know, we have, we have the, the shepherd and the Magi all there together. Because we're kind of compressing the story, trying to put it all. But that's probably not the case. They were probably months, if not a year or two, in Bethlehem. They've kind of relocated to Bethlehem now. They're in Bethlehem. Time has gone by. And then the Magi come. And bring their gifts and they, they worship the child. Joseph is lying in bed one night. You ever just have something come to you in in, in your sleep, and you just wake right up and go, oh, my goodness. I forgot to do that. You ever have that happen? It all kind of comes together in his dreaming, in his thinking. The, The Magi were just here. The Magi. Oh, They'd first gone to Herod. Oh. Herod will know. Mary, get up. Get up. Get up. We got to go. We got to go now. No, we can't wait for the morning. We got to go now. We got to get out of town. He's the protector, the provider. And he takes them to Egypt. That's not easy. You got to find work. It's a foreign culture, different language, all of that. But he does it. And they, they settle now into Egypt. Maybe they'll just stay there. Safer there. Just stay in Egypt. He's probably already working as a carpenter in Egypt. And then he has another dream. Another message from heaven. Another angel says, hey, newsflash, Herod's dead. Go back to Israel now. So another journey. They return from Egypt back to Judea. But when he hears that Archelaus... Herod's son is now on the throne. He said, these these Herods are crazy people. I'm not living here. And so they go back to where they started, all the way up to Nazareth. And that's where they settle in. But then there were the annual journeys, because every year at Passover, they made the 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem. 90 miles one way. Joseph, you know, taking care of them, providing, protecting, traveling. There's that real famous incident when Jesus was 12. You know, he's 12 now. He's not a little baby. He's 12. And they're coming back home after the Passover festival. And they hadn't really... You know, they just Jesus. You know, there's a whole clan of people. He's got his cousins. There's all the people from Nazareth. You know, little twelve-year-old boys don't always just like to hang out with mom and dad. So he must be with someone else. They'd gone a day, and that's when that's when Mary had her home alone moment. (laughs) Kevin, but it was Jesus. He's not on the plane. He's not in the caravan. Joseph, Jesus isn't here. And they rush back. It takes another day. That's two days. They spend a third day searching for Jesus. Can you imagine? Lost for three days. They can't find Jesus. Three days lost. That'll happen again, but that's, we'll save that for Easter. Yeah. <laughs> They're searching for Jesus. They can't find him. Then they go to the temple. I wonder if they were going to the temple to look for Jesus or just going to the temple to pray. But there they found him. With the rabbis. Discussing theology of all things. You ever had that moment where you've been deeply anxious about a child, you're worried about them, and then you find out they're all right and just like that you go from being afraid to being mad. That's what happens. That's uh, Luke chapter two, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? This makes it very human. Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. That's all the Bible tells us about Joseph. That's that's the end of the Joseph story right there. It only leaves us wanting more information, doesn't it? But we're just left with hints and guesses and using our imagination. I mean, for example, we know that Joseph was a carpenter. This we know. And we also know that Jesus is called both the carpenter and the son of the carpenter. So, you know, this affords us an opportunity to speculate about the hidden life in Nazareth. The hidden life in Nazareth. This is, that's what this, this icon is about. This is another one of Ivanka Demchuk's. Uh, icons, modern icons, Ukrainian artist, friend of ours, right? And uh, I love this one. She calls this hidden life in Nazareth. All right, so there's, there's Joseph, there's Mary, there's little toddler Jesus learning to walk. Omnipotence learning to walk. In the background, you have uh, items of Mary and Joseph's domestic life. Mary's got her laundry, got the laundry out there on the line. I don't know if they did it like that then. doesn't matter. It, it, makes it, it brings it home to you that Jesus grew up just, you know, in a family like, like we do. It's, and then Joseph has his carpentry tools over there. There's carpentry tools. There's a table. There's a stained glass window on the table. Now that's interesting, isn't it? What's going on there? When you think of stained glass, what do you think of? Church. I think this is a hint that Jesus is, well, Jesus will become the carpenter and he'll become the carpenter who says, I'm going to build my church. Before Jesus began his ministry and became the carpenter of the church, he was just a carpenter in Nazareth building whatever Galilean carpenters were called upon to build. And Jesus learned his carpenter's trade at the side of his father Joseph. <laughs> the one who is the wisdom of God learned carpentry from his dad. This this just beckons us into the Mystery of the Incarnation. Omnipotence learning to walk. Omniscience learning to talk. The architect of the universe learning carpentry at the sight of his father. He learns this from Joseph. Most of Jesus' life was a hidden life in Nazareth. Let's let's go back to this icon. One of the things I notice about it is you see the underground. You know, why is that there? I mean, you could have just, the bottom third could have, you know, and it just would have, I, because the icon is called hidden life in Nazareth, I think that speaks to the hiddenness, the underground life, the hidden life, that most of Jesus' life, from the time whenever they arrived in Nazareth, after being in Egypt, you know, Jesus is young, two, three, something like that maybe, up until he's into his 30s, when he begins his ministry most of that 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 maybe almost 20 years of his life is just a hidden life just in nazareth his voc i mean he's he's an observant jew he's in the synagogue every sabbath you know he learns the prayers he knows the scriptures but but his life is taken up with being a carpenter six days a week that's what he's doing and he learns that from his father By the time Jesus begins his public ministry though, it appears that Joseph has died. He's not in the story anymore. He's mentioned in the fact that Jesus is the carpenter and they remember Joseph, but, but he's, not, he's not with Mary. He's not traveling with Mary and the brothers to, to find Jesus in Capernaum. And so we assume that by the time Jesus begins his ministry that Joseph has died. Was this perhaps Jesus' first experience with deep grief? Was the man of sorrow's first sorrow the death of his father? Can we imagine Jesus weeping at the grave of his father? We had our, my mother's memorial service this week, and I spoke at that. Did Jesus speak at the funeral of his father? If he did, what did he say? I suppose he would talk about how he was a good dad. He was a provider. He was a protector. Can you imagine Jesus? And he taught me how to be a carpenter. Joseph wasn't a preacher or a prophet. He was a provider and protector. And Lord knows... For every one preacher or prophet, we need dozens, maybe hundreds, of providers and protectors. I mean, that's, that's what we need. That's what we have to have. And the life of Saint Joseph, we'll call him a saint. I just like saying Saint Joseph. The life of Saint Joseph lends dignity to all the men, and I should also add women, who live quiet, humble lives, providing for their families and just doing what needs to be done. And they don't get lots of congratulations and all of that. They don't get lots of accolades. They're not particularly noticed. But you can't even get through life without them. Now, they can be deeply spiritual people who hear from God, just like Joseph did. But you're probably not going to hear about it because they don't talk about it all the time. And so they kind of keep that to themselves. God bless all the hidden St. Joseph's. It's with this kind of people that Jesus builds his church. Mary gets the most attention. She's the Theotokos. She's the God bearer. And so rightfully so, Mary gets more attention. I get that. That's, That's as it should be. She's the actual mother of Christ. Jesus gains his humanity, his human flesh, through his mother Mary. Joseph made no contribution like that to the Christ. He's not, Joseph is not Jesus' biological father. And yet, he's called Jesus' father. Because it's from Joseph that Jesus learned. The kinds of things that sons need to learn from their fathers. And this takes us again deep into the mystery of the Incarnation. And so I say it again, God bless all the hidden and humble St. Josephs. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me. It took me 41 years to preach a sermon on St. Joseph. I don't think he'd mind. That's how he is. He just. He says, no, I'll just stay in the background here. Just talk about Jesus. Might mention my wife now and then, but just talk about, that's Joseph. Now we're gonna come to the table. Join with me in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Join with me now in confessing our sins and receiving the Lord's forgiveness. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. God is merciful to all who confess their sins. And in humility, ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Amen.